2: Had a conversation with my partner, we were talking about what the insides of our heads were like, and and I was saying to her, you know, it's like it's pretty much constantly like a house party at 3 a.m. where there's a fight kicking off, you know. And she was like, Really?
1: <laughs> it's mentally yours from Ellen and I
0: focus on your mental health you won't It's mentally Hi everyone, and welcome to Mentally yours, Metro.co.uk's weekly mental health podcast. My name is Yvette, and this week we're going to be chatting to Disraeli. He's a rapper and a musician, and he has a new album called The Unmaster out now. One of the tracks in it is called Madness. He's going to be chatting to me about tracks on his album, a breakdown that he had, and how this inspired some of his music.
2: I am a, an MC producer, poet, singer, a multi-instrumentalist and I do music that is based in hip-hop but um, gets excited about all kinds of other things on the way and the thing I have coming out soon is a project called The Unmaster um, which is kind of already out in a sense in the it existed as a theatre show last year and it's now slowly dribbling out as an album okay
0: so Uh, it's also an album the album's the big thing um and the reason i wanted you to get you on our mental health podcast um is because when i've chatted to you before um it basically came out that during the process of creating the album um you talked about how um you had um not exactly a mental breakdown but um a mental health issue Mm. Are you all right to tell us a little bit more about basically what that was?
2: Yeah, basically, in the process of trying to write the album originally about three years ago, and not just because I was trying to write an album, but because of accumulation of many, many things over many years, I had a bit of a meltdown and uh, was very unhappy and anxious for a very, quite an extended period of time. And it became a very central feature of my life trying to recover from this meltdown. And it also became the substance of this album as well. So the album is called The Unmaster, um, because one of the main things that I learned in the process of having therapy and going to a lot of groups and also discovering Buddhism and meditation, which is still very much a part of my life. One of the things I learned was that I had to let go of being the master of, of trying to attain perfection, um, trying to dominate a situation, trying to already know. One of the things I had to really concede when I fell apart was that I really didn't know and I couldn't cope um, on my own. So the Unmaster is kind of a note to self, in a sense, and also just a kind of summary of what I learned through falling apart and working out a way to piece myself back together again.
0: When you fell apart, um, you talked there about anxiety. Is that a general diagnosis that you received, or was there a particular diagnosis you received? What was the. So I process? never went
2: to a doctor um, about how I was feeling. The, my first port of call, well, my, my first port of call was, was a long time kind of leaning on my partner and, and being an absolute nightmare in the context of our relationship um, and in the context of a lot of friendships as well. And then I checked out uh, mindfulness and therapy pretty much at about the same time and i don't know if i would have i was you know who who knows but certainly having read quite a bit since i had my wobble uh, certainly having read quite a lot about anxiety and depression those two conditions seem to match quite closely with what i was feeling at the time sure um so it kind of makes makes sense to use those words to me
0: how did it actually manifest for you what were the things that were leading up to it and what actually happened why was it a problem
2: there are many things leading up to it i think uh for me i experience my mental health as you know like weather and uh, i think there's there are as many factors and currents feeding into um an episode of kind of difficulty for me as there are feeding into a hurricane, you know, um, or, uh, or a cold snap that, you know, I, I don't understand the kind of mechanics of weather, but it seems to me to be like, you know, the butterfly flaps its wings in Mexico. So I couldn't sort of break down all the conditions that led up to it happening, but certainly it was a problem. One of the ways in which it was a problem was that I couldn't stand music. And music is my life. It's how I earn my living. It's very much at the centre of how I kind of construct myself as a human and my idea of why I am and who I am. And I couldn't bear to listen to music. Um, I definitely couldn't bear to listen to my own music, especially because it was just evidence of my worthlessness, you know. That was definitely a problem. Another thing that was definitely a problem was that I was just in a state of constant crisis um, with my partner uh, in a way that at, in the beginning just, just felt like my partner was being impossible and that the, the, our relationship was awful. And I came to realise over the course of time that that I was actually being really, really difficult. <laughs> and uh, that's one of the things that I think is easy to forget about having mental health difficulties is that in moments of clarity, you realise that you're being a bloody nightmare and and that the people around you are, are, are having to sort of suffer you, you know. And it's one, one of the things I feel like we don't often address when we're talking about mental health is this idea of um, compassion because mental health issues aren't like other health issues in the sense that if someone has a broken leg um, and it doesn't make them really impossible to have a conversation with, you know. So I think that's one of the reasons why mental health continues to be um, a taboo and and we don't talk about it in the same easy way that we might talk about physical ailment is because it does require more of other people to deal with, you know, to respond to. And I think in a way it's a really... that's a really beautiful thing because it it requires of us human compassion and empathy and to understand and also to look inside ourselves and see where in ourselves this person's impossibleness might be reflected, you know. Um, have, have I ever felt uh, sort of belligerent or strange or erratic, you know?
0: Yeah, it's interesting you brought up the idea of, I mean, the difficulty that your sort of partner maybe had in supporting you because... I can definitely relate to that because I've got bipolar disorder and um now I'm sort of doing all right. I do think back to the times when I was very depressed mm. and the sort of things that I was saying to my sister or my parents, mm. not so much my friends because I didn't really talk to them about it, but definitely to my sister because it was all coming out to her, like mm. all these very negative thoughts and at one point I was suicidal. And sort of now I think about those conversations and I just think, yeah, that must have been really hard on her. Mm. So mm. it is, it, it, yeah, I think it's important to kind of, you know think about those relationships as
2: well let's have an open conversation then let's rebuild our communities so that we're there for each other as human beings Um, and let's learn patience rather than think that life is about convenience and pleasure you know there's there's a lot of things culturally i think that we need to shift um in order for this you know this very important conversation about mental health which we're having which is you know this is evidence of um but there's an awful lot of things i think need to shift um in order to make space for our strangeness you know
0: so in terms of your um blip your difficult period um how did you work your way out of that or did you did you feel that you worked your way out of it or did you just feel that sort of gradually things improved sort of naturally
2: really really good therapist called Mm -hmm. sophie Um, and she is such a good therapist that she's actually called sophie boss um, and uh, she is a total boss. Do
0: you know what kind of therapy it was that you had? Because there's different kinds.
2: Uh, interpersonal humanist. Okay, cool. Um, and that was at the Spectrum Centre in Finsbury Park. Um, she's no longer there, but she's uh, she is available for bar mitzvahs so i had a really really good therapist i don't think that's a given is it I, I know i've had friends who've had really bad therapists or therapists that haven't been right for them
0: we always say generally on here that it's like dating a lot of the time like yeah, we yeah, we've yeah, found yeah. that you know sometimes you know you might get the right one straight away or you might go through a period of you know trying a few and then eventually you'll find someone that you know
2: yeah i, th- I, th- I think that's a really good analogy i happen to find a therapist for whom I felt could bring insights to me that I couldn't have found myself Um, and I think that's a really important uh, aspect of it especially for someone who's very thinky and cerebral as I am Um, and I'm also someone that's I feel like I've spent quite a lot of time reflecting on the insides of my brain partly because I'm a writer and um, a lyricist and that's really kind of my subject matter is my kind of inner world i guess um so i kind of came with this thing of like so not not only was i in a, in a place where i was being a bit difficult but i also came with a with a feeling of like i already know what's going on here you know and so no one can really tell me anything and instantly i realized with sophie that there was actually this huge kind of seething underworld that uh the things that i was experiencing in my day-to-day life were with just sort of a shadow of, they were just echoes of, and there was a huge amount going on beneath the surface that, um, that was worth exploring, you know. Mm. So that was uh, that was really important to meet Sophie, and and I was with her for we we worked together for about a year, I think. Um, and I was also very lucky in that I was in a place where I could afford to uh, to have a therapist. She was a private therapist. Um, and I know for a, a lot of people, they can't afford that. Um, or if they do manage to get it on the NHS, then it would be, you know, months and months waiting list. Um, so I feel very lucky that I was in a place that I, at that time where I could afford that. Um, the other thing I discovered was meditation and mindfulness. And that was I, I I really don't think it's a it's a magic bullet um, that can cure every clinical condition under the sun. But uh, for me, it was really exactly what I needed. Um, and it started with secular mindfulness through the London Mindfulness Project. I did a eight week course. Again, really lucky that I could afford to do that. Um, and then I went on a Buddhist retreat and. Uh, it's, it's just had a uh, it's had such a fundamental um impact on my life i can't you know i can't stress that enough okay and meditation is a practice that i do every day
0: how do you do your mindfulness and meditation because there's loads of it around now i think it's a lot more a lot more people sort of do it but they sort of do, it, do it in different ways sort of mm. through apps or through various things you know how does it work for you
2: yeah, I think I think there's a whole industry now, isn't there? There's the whole mindfulness industry, um, and I think with any industry, you get uh, uh, you get the pop version and and uh, you get the you get the charlatans and the um, quick and easy fix versions. For me, how I do mindfulness is slowly and gradually and constantly over a long period. I think it's a lifetime project. I think it. Requires daily practice and quite a bit of daily practice and when I say practice I mean meditation sitting meditation practice and also uh, other ways of practicing mindfulness as well walking meditation is something I did a lot of in the early uh, in the first few months of doing it because I found it easier when there was a a physical stimulus there like a touch of my foot on the ground to to bring my focus to Um, and like with anything it's not something that you can just plug in the app and put your headphones on and 10 minutes later you'll be cured of your anxiety um it's something that requires training and and uh and effort and uh, but it's it's massively worth it and and i do yeah i you know if, if people are curious about it that are listening i, I would recommend that people um look into uh, meditation practices that are more than just a 10 minute app uh per day i'd say half an hour of per day meditation for me is really a bare minimum.
0: How do you feel your mental health changed from back when you had that blip to now after sort of doing that, the therapy and the mindfulness?
2: Oh my goodness, just so much. (laughs) Like like I was saying about uh, the kind of conditions on the inside of my head being kind of like weather systems. Um, It was just a constant sort of cyclone before really. And I didn't... Really, I hadn't really realised how much of a cyclone it was until it got to the point where I wasn't really functioning um, in a well, in, certainly in a way that that had any kind of joy involved in it. Um, I'd been carrying around this just kind of insane clamour in my head for so long. You know, it was like a, I remember having a conversation with my partner that once it, you know, b- before I had my kind of wobble. Had a conversation with my partner we were talking about What the insides of our heads were like And uh, and, I, and I was saying to her You know, it's like It's pretty much constantly Like a house party at 3am Where there's a fight kicking off You know um, And she was like Really? <laughs> and I was like Yeah, yeah <laughs> And it, because, it's, because it's my head And music is a big focus for me there's, There was always A sort of clamour of music going on Um, and it was, uh, you know, there there tended to be a lot of drums involved in my head and a lot of shouting and, um, particularly a lot of, a lot of self-loathing, uh, a lot of kind of horrible invective and, and very judgmental, um, kind of tirades going on against myself. And I, it's it's quite easy to, 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 um, kind of track that, trace that in a sense, because I do a practice called morning pages. Um, where I write free association uh, for like between one and three pages every morning. Um, and I've been doing that since I left university. So it's for like, you know, uh, 12 years, 13 years or something. And um, so, so reading back over my morning pages for, for most of the the sort of time I've done them, it's there, there's an awful lot of, uh, yeah, an awful lot of self-hatred there. And I'd say that now the inside of my mind is just, much, much calmer. And it's it's not, you know, it's not like a teddy toppy land in there. But it's definitely, um, it's a very, very different place. And my morning pages are a very, very different place.
0: Can we talk a bit about um, basically music now and music industry, but also you in terms of music and mental health? Um, because things obviously sound a lot better, but I can't help but think like the music industry must be quite a chaotic place. Mm. So what are the particular challenges uh, and how do you deal with them? Cause it must be all kinds of things. Like we've got festival season coming up. That must be super chaotic. So yeah. Mm. What are the challenges and how do you deal with them?
2: It's chaotic. It's a really good word for it. Yeah. Um, I think that I'm really used to the chaos I'm, I'm, on a basic level. I'm, I'm very used to the chaos. I've been a full time, uh, just musician now for the last well just musician and poet for now for the last nine ten years um so my life is very much uh kind of fragmented in terms of routine i kind of i I can i I have i have my routine which i kind of hold at the center of of this whirlwind of different stuff that's happening
0: that's quite interesting because i did wonder about that because in terms of i think everyone's mental health whether you have long-term mental health issues or not um having a regular routine is quite important in terms of like sleep patterns and food yeah, yeah. what are the things that you sort of you said you hold certain routines to you what are those kind of key things that you, mm. you
2: do meditation practice every morning exercise every morning um i look guys i say every morning but i'm not like captain perfect here <laughs> sometimes i don't um but yeah, as, as a rule, meditation every morning, exercise first, then meditation, then food. You know, that, that's that's my three things I do in the morning. Um, so that's that's the kind of basic bottom line. And then uh, to have made something every day. Um, I try and do an hour of making every day, whether that's writing or uh, working on a new piece of music. or Because um, one of the things about the music industry now is that, every artist is expected to be everything, uh, as in they're expected to be a PR machine and, um, a kind of, uh, yeah, like a, a public persona and an administrator, uh, as well as a musician, and, an artist. I have a slight, uh, tendency as well. And I don't know where I inherited this from, maybe from, it's like, it's a p- sort of Protestant nobility of labor kind of thing that I've inherited from my ancestry or whatever. um, but there's this idea that unless i'm doing something that makes me unhappy then i'm not really working um so, so you need
0: some sort of struggle in your day as i was saying like, so well, no, this, tricky.
2: this is this is something i'm this is something i'm trying to kind of counterbalance with uh, with this thing of doing something that i love every morning which is making i i love making i love playing my instruments i love writing you know it's just it is joy for me And it's also the absolute fundamental, uh, like the absolute cornerstone of what I do. I mean, I'm an artist. I make is what I do. You know, this this album is made of my time making. Um, And I wouldn't be sat here at all and have anything to talk about unless I did it. But there's still a sense that I have where what I should really be doing is pushing a boulder up a hill or sitting at a desk in front of a computer, kind of grizzling at the keyboard, you know. Um, And I do plenty of that like I do much more of it than I signed up to do as a musician you know what i mean but um i think it, that that's why it's really important for me to claim every morning to claim a bit of creation before i do other things um so that's really yeah and and there's little things like when you're on the road you kind of you, there's a couple of things I take with me on the road to have, to feel like there's some element of home there I take my meditation stool my little boombox you know um my books are very important to me as well so i was just to have a sense that you have your your little pile of books on your bedside um that that kind of brings you home you know
0: do you have a rider
2: and that's do you, yeah, I, if I had a
0: rider, I'd, I'd get some really cool things on, but I get the impression that if it was you, it'd be sort of very sort of relaxed to things. What do you, <laughs> what do you have in your rider? Stuff to do with meditation?
2: Oh, mate. Um, so I need to, that, that's something I need to revisit a bit really, because obviously I was, I was touring with the band for a long time. And, and our rider consisted of um, Captain Morgan's rum and ginger beer and, uh, bottle of red wine for some reason that no one ever drunk and then loads and loads of beers and so there was a lot of alcohol going on and a lot of really unhealthy food on the rider last time I was kind of properly touring with a band um, sometimes I still turn up to a gig and the promoter has received my rider from when I was in a band with eight people and there is a crate of a bottle of red wine a bottle of rum and eight beers and which is a which is what you were saying before about the music industry being chaotic this is one really fundamental thing there's this assumption that the the musicians are the party people and even if it's a wednesday night and do you know what i mean yeah they're gonna want to drink
0: absolutely i mean and also let's face it alcohol's the tip of the iceberg isn't it you know lots of musicians do drink do drugs do all kinds of stuff
2: oh my word yes
0: so um so yeah that must be challenging.
2: This is an interesting time for me because, right, I'm I'm kind of coming back into going intensively on the road and um, doing the festivals and stuff like that with the band and like really kind of really working again as a touring artist. Um, but I have a very different set of priorities now and a very different kind of center. I feel like I feel like I'm, I have a bit of a different center. Um, whereas before, my my center was all about um, you know am I in the right place? Am I getting the right number of likes? You know, are we progressing? Is this gig bigger than the last gig? Um, do these people here love me? Basically what it was is like, do these people here love me? Will they tell me they love me enough? You know, which is a lot of the, the kind of source of a lot of the threads of my, uh, my meltdown was that sort of constant, um, need for validation. So now I'm coming back at it with a, with a slightly different core. I'm I'm really interested to see what it is like for me. And is it chaotic, really? Or is it just this kind of flailing little boy that was at the middle of it all before um, that was chaotic? I don't know.
0: What you just said there, though, I'm sure lots of um, musicians in particular or artists in general can relate to Because, I mean, let's face it, to get up on a stage and just sort of sing something or say something or whatever... And then you're basically doing it for applause, I'm sure, for a lot of mm. people. I'm sure mm. people can relate to that. What are your thoughts on those challenges around the things like the alcohol and like sort of the drugs for musicians in general? Mm. I don't know what's happened for you personally in the past, and you don't have to tell me, but like I can't help but think that if you, had, if you have had mental health issues, um, those sort of substance things going on would mm. be challenging just because it's kind mm. of chaos.
2: Yeah, yeah, totally and I mean one of the first things that I had to go when I was kind of um recovering was alcohol you know because it just constantly destabilized me um and there there was a point when I was really struggling when I I'd, I'd have you know one pint of beer and the whole next day would be destroyed you know um just because I was a very fragile balance there's a culture within music and there's a culture within there's a culture around the idea of artistry where we're supposed to be the troubled ones we're supposed to be the chaotic troubled ones who are living close to the edge and therefore a little bit closer to the great void beyond the edge and we can bring back our reports and all that um and it's and that's kind of to be expected and it's a bit encouraged and we're supposed to be you know a bit weird and edgy and
0: yeah and um, everyone sort of goes on about these sort of great musicians who you know wrote these albums while they were on these drugs in i don't know the 60s or whatever or more recently so yeah there's there is that sort of weird pressure isn't there in a way and it's almost like musicians don't have the same rules as kind of like normal people in nine to fives like no one expects a bank bank manager to be good at his job if he does drugs but but you know everyone sort of says oh but you know Hendrix or whoever did loads of drugs and then he made this
2: album or and then he died you know as did so many of these other people they made this you know they, they made this kind of um blazing body of work and then died and uh and i think it's a really poisonous um it's a really poisonous myth this myth of the kind of the the wild tortured artist and of course like i i think that there is something in the idea that the um our job as artists is to bring back kind of reports from the edge in a sense you know um for me i'm i'm very very sensitive and i always have been since i was a little boy um i really mind a lot i love a lot i've i fall in love very deeply very fast and i you know i feel the state of the world very sort of keenly and i used to think that made me less of a man um and therefore sort of was a thing to be hidden but um i think that's what enables me to 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 make um the art that i make um so there's definitely some truth in the idea that that the artist is a kind of, uh, that there's maybe something a little bit different about an artist or something allowed to be a little bit different about the artist, and that's great. But that definitely shouldn't mean that um, the artist shouldn't care, uh, shouldn't love themselves, shouldn't take care of themselves, shouldn't sleep, you know. Um, and what's it, what's really interesting for me is that the the album I've just made, The Unmaster, is... In my opinion, my humble opinion, like without question the best thing i've ever done it's it's the thing that i feel most connected to um i think it's the most uh it's it's the most kind of bold and truthful thing i've ever done um it's bonkers and and quite wild and and has this crazy amount of energy in it and i didn't smoke a thing or drink a thing for the whole time i was making it but i and because i wasn't smoking a thing or drinking a thing i had so much energy and I was meditating every day and what medit- All that mindfulness means is that you notice, you come to notice. That's what mindfulness means, you know, rather than being mindless and kind of walking past trees without walking past trees. You walk past trees and you see the bloody trees, you know, and what else do you see? You know, what else haven't you noticed? And when you're in that state of uh, of openness and mindfulness the universe is pouring through you in a way that it can't possibly, if you're like groggy with a hangover or half cut on whatever. Um, So for me, it was really when I stopped drinking and stopped smoking and all that um, out of necessity, that thing started to get really interesting, you know, both artistically and, and in my day-to-day life and as well. And, and you know, that, that's a real, that was a really important myth for me to break personally, um, that there was a constant thing I had was, like, oh, I haven't suffered enough to be a real artist, and you know. And therefore, you kind of, you know, you, you, you let yourself um, get, get carried away with the drugs and the alcohol and stuff partly a kind of an atom of it at least is uh because it will be okay to to feel shit because maybe you'll get something from it you know
0: it sounds like you've already sort of thought about this but um do you think much about how your music affects other people's mental health both in sort of a live setting and in sort of just the individual tracks
2: it's a really good question i think that when in the process of making it i don't um because my personal process of making is that um, I have to get into a bit of a flurry and make a lot, you know, create a lot sure. um, in Make a, short a good amount thing, yeah. Of time. Um, and so to, just to throw all the colours at the wall and, you know, I sort of I Jackson Pollock it for ages and then I strip it down and find something good in the middle. Um, so definitely in the process of making, I, I don't really think about... Um, how it's going to affect people in the audience and that kind of thing. But once it's made and once I'm performing it, um, one of the things that performing this, uh, the material from this album has really given me a huge amount is a sense of, of, of being in community with the people that I perform for and with and, um, the audiences at all of these places, each each of the places I perform, the audience Feels like it becomes a community in that space and for that time, um, and there's a sense of care there, and there's a sense of honesty and vulnerability there, because I talk so kind of openly and directly about my own fears and um, the process of losing my mind and and being afraid of going mad and afraid of the world around me going mad. Um, that other people feel very enabled to do the same, and so I'm, I have I have started to see. I have started to see the effect of my music very directly on people's um, mental health in a very kind of small, um, momentary way. But but definitely it being an enabler of honesty um, is something that, that I really love when it happens. And um, I've been really honoured to have a lot of people since I started doing this material had a huge number of people coming to me and being suddenly more honest with me than i've ever had before as a man you know um including friends including relations but also total strangers who come and confide their stories um so that is a for me a very direct effect that's very very different from from before when it was more about showmanship and impressing yeah definitely and and um i hope to explore that more
0: So go away, enjoy your day, get on with all your
1: chores From mentally, mentally,
0: mentally, mentally, mentally yours. Mentally yours Mentally yours, mentally yours If you've been affected by any of the issues we've been chatting about today, please give the Samaritans a ring. They're on 116 123 or you can find them online at samaritans.org. If you've enjoyed the episode, please give us a review and a rating on iTunes. That would be lovely. Also, you can follow us on Twitter at MentallyYRS and you can find us on Facebook, which is MentallyYours. Thanks very much to our producer Sam Bonham and to Lucy Baker for the jingles. See you next week.